I'm just going <laughs> to abbreviate my message this morning. <laughs> have an opportunity, and those of you who are giving and want to continue in your worship with through giving, you can do so. I'm just going to go straight into uh, the message today. So uh, if that's you and you, you want to give and, and the offering will be open, but we're going to go into the message. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah today. Nehemiah chapter 8 is where we're going to be. Nehemiah chapter 8. Can you... Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to, just for a moment, you know, I think sometimes those of us who are on the outside looking in, we can sit there and be like, this is weird. Like... Being real, just being honest, right? We can sit there and say, okay, this is weird. This isn't the way that I grew up. This isn't the way that I think, you know, different things. You, you heard two testimonies specifically of two specific things that the Lord spoke through us in order to address. Sometimes, and, and I've been struggling with this too, and I've been working through this myself. Sometimes it's not that it's weird. It's just that I'm weak. Sometimes it's not that it's, that it's the, the weirdness of, of God speaking through somebody and then delivering someone that's specifically what God was speaking for. It's, it's not necessarily weird. It's just our faith is too weak. Sometimes we believe that only God can, you know, it's, it's just by us being in a quiet room praying that God moves. Sometimes it's just, okay, well, if you just go through the motions, if you say these things, if you come forward, all those different things. No, no, no. God, God can move whichever way he wants to. And so I just really want, if, if there's some of us out there that you're like, man, this is weird. Like this Sunday, this isn't a normal Sunday right now. But some of us in here, just if, if this is, there's doubt, there's, you know, this is just weird, there's worry, there's anxiety, oh no, what, what's up, what's wrong with this church, you know, any of those things, just pray, God, help my unbelief, help, help me to have faith in my weakness, the reason why we have an opportunity to pray for people, and the reason why we have that opportunity afterwards to share testimony is so that you can hear and you can know that God is moving, that God is doing something, that God is speaking to people, speaking through people, and moving in people's lives. That's the point. We're not going to stand up here and say, okay, come forward, and then say, man, look at all these miracles, and not say anything. We want to know about them. Because then we understand, okay, God actually is moving. It's not just us trying to hype something up. God's moving. The title of the message this morning is Strengthened by Joy. It'll be in Nehemiah chapter 8. If you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. It's two verses this morning, verses 9 and 10. Where the Lord says this, that Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law and Levites 
who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, thank you that you're so good to us. Father, I pray, Lord, that your hand would just be on us and your Holy Spirit would continue to be with us, Lord, that it would not be my word spoken, but yours spoken through me, that you would move, that those who would have an ear, let them hear the declaration of your word today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in this passage, we see two things. We see one big thing kind of happening and then and, and two kind of directives that are given to the people of God. Um, the, the book of Nehemiah was written as a historical account of rebuilding the uh, walls of Jerusalem. And so the book of Ezra is a historical account of the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah is the rebuilding of, of the walls of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. And so Ezra and Nehemiah are both there. They're both doing what it is that God has called them to do. And the reason why they need to rebuild these things is because they were destroyed by Babylon. And so what happened was the, the Babylon came in, they took over, they destroyed, they laid bare the city. And then during this time, uh, there was a remnant that was still kind of in Jerusalem as believers, but most of them were scattered. The, the Jewish people were scattered throughout Babylon. Babylon eventually fell to a king, the kingdom of Persia, and then Persia, uh, it was King Cyrus, uh, the great of Persia, that was the one that did the conquering of Babylon, and King Cyrus allowed Ezra to go back and rebuild the temple. And then after that, there was another, uh, there was another king, another emperor of, uh, of uh, Persia, and he came in, and his name uh, was Artaxerxes, or Xerxes. And Artaxerxes allowed Nehemiah, he, he made this decree saying that no one was to rebuild Jerusalem. Nehemiah, it, it's, I love the first couple chapters of Nehemiah. Nehemiah hears about the city and is, and is in mourning. He, he tears his clothes. He puts ashes on his head. He, he begins to fast and pray. Why? Because he's going to go to the king and he's going to ask the king to reverse his order of being able to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, but not just reverse it, but also fund the opposite of what he had decreed. And so Nehemiah fasts and he prays and God gives him favor and he goes in and asks the king and the king says, yes, absolutely, you can do that. And here's some, here's a blank check. Here's some, here's some money for you. And so here we see that the people of Israel, they're rebuilding Jerusalem and in Nehemiah, Nehemiah is the governor and Ezra is the priest at the time. And this is a, we see that there's a celebration going on here. This is most likely uh, Rosh Hashanah or, uh, or the, the Feast of Trumpets. Um, the Feast of Trumpets, we know this because uh, we see that this takes place. If you look at chapter 8, verse 2 in this chapter, uh, you'll see that when this takes place, it's the first day of the seventh month, and that's when the Feast of Trumpets occurs. You can find that in Leviticus chapter 23 and Numbers chapter 29. You can see where it talks about the Feast of 
trumpets is supposed to be the first day of the seventh month. And so here, this is most likely, this is what's going on, the Feast of Trumpets. This is a celebration of, of who God is, of what God has done for his people. And, and so Ezra opens up the book of the law, and he begins to read the book of the law. And you know how wonderful and how inspiring the book of Leviticus is, right? You know? Don't eat bacon. That's really great, huh? Don't tri-blend or, or just out. Don't, don't wear any tri-blend clothing. You know, there's all these different things. And, and as, as Ezra begins to, to kind of open up the book of the law and begins to, to preach the book of the law, the Levites begin also to speak and teach on what this means. And, and it's showing the standard by which we have to live in order for us to be holy. In order for us, I, I love Leviticus, the, one of the, the main theme of Leviticus is be holy for the Lord your God is holy. And so we see this, this moment and these, these things where, where all of this, this standard is being raised and all of the people listening to the standard are essentially saying, don't do, the, like they're being told, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And they're saying, oh, I've done that. Oh, I've done that. Uh, yep. Yep. That one's for me too. Yep. Yeah, and, and they're just overcome. I can just imagine just being overwhelmed at this standard, being overwhelmed with just grief that you can't measure up to that standard. Sitting there and, and hearing the teaching of the law and, and understanding that and knowing that you walked away from the law, knowing that you're not living in, 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 in accordance with the law and how much grief that is because... When the Lord comes back, he'll only accept those who have kept the law. And so the people turned to weeping and mourning because they couldn't measure up. They couldn't measure up to this circumstance, this standard. And during this celebration, as Ezra's reading, his, the listeners are weeping. And it's a point of shame and condemnation for the people. But Ezra says this in verse 9. He says, this day is holy to the Lord our God. And he says, do not mourn or weep. In showing the standard that God has for us living, he's saying, there should be no condemnation. There's no shame here. It's not to condemn the listeners, but it's actually to bring them joy. And, and you'd sit there and say, how? That's weird. Well, the point of, of festivals, of these festivals, were meant to bring joy. We're meant to be a celebration. It's not a festival of crying and weeping. It's a festival of joy. It's supposed to be fun. But here, these people are in mourning. So he says, do not mourn or weep. And the point of this Memorial Day, the point of them having this is to commemorate or to, to provide a day of celebration uh, to remember what God has done. The point of having that standard is to understand that even though you may not be able to live up to that standard, God's grace is there and he's taken out. He's, he's, he's throughout all of time and all of history. You really think the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt held that standard? No, but God still delivered them. You really think that every single time, like any time you read 
one of the prophets, the likeliness of the reason why they wrote that account is because Israel didn't live up to the standard and God was calling them back to restore them. And so the day of celebration here is not a day to, the, the purpose of the reading of the book of the law, the, the purpose of, of, of understanding and exhorting the word of God, the purpose of those things was not to be, bring condemnation or mourning or weeping. The purpose of these things is, hey, here's the grace of God for you. This is what God has done in order to make sure that you reach that standard. We don't, we, they wouldn't have understand that completely. We understand it a little bit more because of Jesus, right? The point of that standard is to show us how much in need we are of a Savior. They didn't understand in that time that Jesus, who was going to come and die on the cross for our sins, would be that Savior so that we can, be, we can have that standard of life through the grace of God. But in that time, any single thing that the people of God did, God would always deliver them. God always had a plan to restore them and redeem them and bring them out of the junk that they were in. And so here, we see this instruction from Ezra, and then we see an instruction from Nehemiah. He says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Again, this is within the midst of them rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah says that, that they would work with a hammer in one hand and a, and a sword in the other to stave off enemies and ready to, to do battle as they're building. And so here we see Nehemiah, he's saying, no, don't mourn, don't weep. Instead, have a celebration. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. See, these are, that, this choice food that he's talking about, these are the best cuts of meat. The, wor the word here in the Hebrew is literally the fat pieces. Right? How many of you guys like brisket? Right, like I, I love me some brisket, right? But I don't like the like that lean flat, you know. I like I like the fatty parts, right? Like that's the juiciest, you know, sumptuous kind of that that's what he's talking about. Like go get yourself some really good barbecue with all the fixings. And and sweet drinks, this is the best. Wine, not just the, the stuff that, that they would use on an everyday basis. This is the, the choice, the best of food, the best of drink, every single thing. Man, the sweetest southern sweet tea. You tell I'm thinking about barbecue right now. Summer's coming, guys. Come on. <laughs> the best foods. And not just for yourself, but anybody else that needs something. Go and share your plate with them. There's more to go. There's enough to go around all of these things. Because why? The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what he's saying here. The word here for strength could also mean protection in, in the Hebrew. The joy of the Lord is 
this understanding. It's our identity of salvation that we have in God. We have strength through our joy. (laughs) We have strength through the joy because we know that we've experienced the saving power of God. We have joy because we know we've experienced, we've had an encounter with the grace of God. And because of that, we have this joy. And this joy is so powerful that in, even in the hardest of times, we lean on it for our strength. We know. Last week we talked about being content in all things. This is that understanding. We're content by the strength of God, the joy of the Lord, the joy of salvation, the joy that comes from living in relationship and right standing in the eyes of God in relationship with Jesus Christ makes us strong. The assurance of salvation gives us strength. And so the question that I have for us this morning is, do you have the joy of the Lord? Does the life you live, is it marked by strength that comes from the joy of the Lord? You know, what's interesting is is the way that people act, the joy that people have sometimes indicates, and I think most of the time indicates the relationship that they have with God. It's too cold in here. You know, this church, they just need to get some new air fresheners. These air fresheners. You know, that person goes to this church. Oh, man. I'm just not, you know, I'm just not feeling the worship. It's just kind of, you know, and, and we, we can get into that point of just kind of nitpicking things and going through things. And we've lost the joy of the Lord. And by the way, that's a reflection of your relationship with him. When your first knee-jerk reaction is complaint, you've lost the joy of the Lord. the truth. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. I know, you know, when I was, when I was a youth pastor, I could always tell just by the way a student walks in the room, how their relationship with Jesus is. And they walk in hood up, you know, (laughs) Uh, you might not be, I mean, where's the joy of the Lord there? We're just walking in all, hey, Pastor Gannon, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. All right. You're off your meds, huh? (laughs) The joy of the Lord is their strength. That's the same with us. The joy that comes from having relationship with God is a strength that gives us the strength to overcome anything else. Scripture says that if the Lord, if if God is for us, who can be against us? If we have the strength in the Lord, we can overcome. Scripture also tells us that we we are constantly being surrounded by angels in a constant victory march. We've been given victory in all things. Why? The joy of the Lord. 
you can get through the things that you're dealing with right now by the joy of the Lord. And it's not just your strength. Remember when I said it's also, that word can also mean protection? It's also protection of any attacks of the enemy. This salvation is, is one of those things that, that, that protects us from anything that can be thrown at us. The strength, the joy of the Lord is not just the strength to overcome things. It's also the protection against any attacks. The joy of the Lord. So the final question, where do you get your strength? Maureen, you can come up. Where do you get your strength? I know it's a shorter sermon. I, I get that. I want to be as clear and concise as possible. If you walked in here today and nothing was going to go right, you decided in your heart you didn't really want to be here, you decided in your heart, you know what, I'm, I'm just only here because somebody dragged me here. And like the joy of the Lord isn't on your life. Can I just, from a pastoral stand, just hear my heart as a pastor? You need to deal with God with that. Seriously, I, I know, a little heavy. But the joy of the Lord is supposed to be your strength. And if you walked in here this morning and it was a woe is me kind of lifestyle. You walked in here this morning and you start nitpicking every single thing that has ever gone wrong. Or maybe some, somebody opened the door and there was a gust of wind and oh man. Look, I, I'm waiting for warmer weather. I want warmer weather. I get that. But that doesn't affect my relationship with God. <laughs> what people do or don't say to me doesn't affect my relationship with the Lord. Maybe you walked in here and somebody said something off or sideways towards you. Or maybe you took it a wrong way. And you can choose to hold that in and just say, you know what? We can say, enjoy the Lord's my strength. It's under the blood of Christ. They may not know that they hurt me, but I, God knows, and God's my strength. <laughs> the joy of the Lord will take care of that. The joy of the Lord will protect me from that bitterness that could happen. So where do you get your strength? This morning we're going to do some, just some, a moment of, of quiet and just reflection before the Lord, and then we're going to have communion together. Why? Because what better way to celebrate and, and talk about and, and, and follow through with the joy of the Lord than with communion? Than with the reflection of doing something in remembrance of what Jesus has done. What better way? And so we're just going to pray. Spend some time in the presence of God. And then 
and we'll take communion together. But if you came in here and there's something that is, you know, as self-help individuals would say, stealing your joy, you know, your joy comes from the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength not the joy of another person, of an individual, of a church, of a pastor, whatever that looks like. It's the joy of the Lord that's your strength. And so if there's been something that's really been stealing your joy, that's been, you know, causing you to hit this kind of wall of just everything stinks, now's the time to get back. Now's the time to to have that joy of the Lord again. Now's the time to receive back that strength, that protection that comes from the assuredness of salvation in Christ. Now, I'm not saying that if you don't have joy, you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying. But Jesus said that he's come to bring life and give it abundantly. And to be outside of joy is to be outside of that abundant life. And so find the joy of the Lord this morning.